So we are in the fourth week of looking at the book of Daniel. Um, I've been trying, hopefully you have been understanding that what we're looking at is Daniel as a resource for us as people of faith trying to live in an ever-increasingly unbelieving culture. Daniel provides us great wisdom because Daniel was somebody who lived and knew a lot about inhospitable cultures. So I think that Daniel can offer us wisdom to try to think about how do we live as as rock-solid people of faith. I mean, when, when things do happen, when people do pass away, when our children do get sick, how do, we, how do we live as people of faith? Now, if you have not been here, maybe this is your first Sunday in this book of Daniel study, um, you can always go back and listen to the sermons online. We post all of our sermons. Um, if I preach them on Sunday, we post them on Monday. So if you miss a Sunday, you're able to go back and listen. But if you have been here, I will remind you that what we found was that, that Daniel was born as in the people of Israel at a time where when he was a teenager, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon, and he came over and, and took control or came up with a strategy to con- take, take control of the people of Israel. Um, his strategy was not to go in and wipe everybody out, but was to go in and dilute the Jewish faith by kidnapping some of the best and the brightest of the, of the young men. And he would bring them in, and he would indoctrinate them into the Babylonian culture so that they would lose this sense of identity in the one true God. So... So Daniel, among his friends, uh, they, they were captured, they were taken into exile, and they, were gone, and they went through a process of indoctrination. But what we have seen is Daniel, along the way, has maintained his faith. He's been true to, to God over and over and over again. So today we're going to turn to Daniel chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and get there. Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to look at probably is the most recognizable story of Daniel. The very first week, if you were here, I went around a few of you and asked you, I said, what do you know about Daniel? Everybody, everybody, this is what they knew, Daniel in the lion's den. So if you've grown up in the church, this is probably a story that you were taught in Sunday school, you were taught in VBS, but even people that don't grow up in church often know Daniel in the lion's den. They may not know the the crux of the story, but this is a recognizable part of the story for us. But, but what I want us to do today is to maybe look at it in a way that you've never looked at it before. See, our focus on Daniel and the lion's den is typically Daniel's rescue from the lion. But when you place this story in conversation with the overarching message of Scripture, I'm going to argue that there's a there's a part of where Daniel and the lion's den almost becomes incidental. Because the overarching message of Scripture is a message of rescue, but God is not just concerned with one individual. God is concerned with all of humanity to be able to help us reconcile back to him from the situation that we find ourselves in, which is sin. That God is doing whatever he must do in order to be able to bring us back into a relationship with him. And so, so I would encourage you to, to think about Daniel today as we look at it as part of the rescue plan, as an example for us of the rescue plan that God has 
no matter what culture we live in, no matter how difficult it is. And I want you to hear that this morning because it doesn't make a difference how young we are or how old we are. God can use any faithful servant to accomplish his mission plan. If we hear nothing else today, if you go to sleep right now, hear that. God can use any faithful servant to accomplish his mission plan. So before we get ahead of ourselves, let's, 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 let's have a moment of prayer. Would y'all pray with me? Almighty God, we pray right now that you speak into our hearts. No matter what we walked in this door thinking we were here for, God, we, do, we pray that your spirit just guides our conversation. Open, our, open us up to, to your word of truth and help us live it out. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you. This will probably tell some of our age. How many of you can remember the, uh, the Y2K scare? Anybody remember? Okay. So for those of you who are thinking, what's Y2K? Okay, so let me, let me explain. I was a lay leader at a small United Methodist Church in Hiram when the Y2K thing came about. And so I can remember... So embarrassed that we did. I can remember us doing like Y2K Bible studies. Uh, somehow that was going to prepare us for this. And if you remember, it was the whole, we were all convinced that at the stroke of midnight on Y2K, that, that, that everything that we understood was going to happen is going to cease to exist. And, and if you remember, they were, the media were watching every time the clock would click 12 somewhere else just to watch this event take place. Um, you know, there's, there's today, there are people who kind of live in, I mean, we were in our Sunday school class, that, that group that was studying the Y2K thing, and that's, we were saving water. Uh, we were putting up canned vegetables. I mean, we were just convinced that this, and, and there are people today that, that are living that way. I mean, there are people today that are preparing themselves for the the end of whatever this world is. And so they're kind of survivalist. And you see people that are going off the grid so that they can make sure that they are prepared. There's actually a, a movement called Preppers that they prepare themselves to for. And I, I feel like sometimes in the church, we take that mentality. We, we want to go off the grid when we look at the world and we look at the, the situation of the world and the sin that's in the world, and it doesn't take us any amount of time to be able to see that, just watch any news station that you ever want to watch, and you'll be able to see it. But we, we want to go off the grid. We want to separate ourselves. And my fear is that we as the body of Christ, we're going to go into a retreat mode. We're going to go into a retreat mode and go, okay, what we need to do is to protect ourselves we need to rally the troops. We need to circle the wagons. We need to do whatever we need to do to protect uh, our environment rather than going into the heart of God, which is the lost and the broken. Rather than fulfilling the mission that God has called us, which is to reach out the lost and for us in particular to reach the people of Henry County, the broken and hurting. How do we resist that temptation to to retreat and then cause us to not necessarily live out the purpose of God. And I think Daniel's story teaches us a pattern, a pattern that you can see in a lot of people in Scripture, but you can also see it in a lot of people's lives. Let's start in Daniel 6, verses 1 through 3. 
It says, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, where three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel, the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. I don't know if you have watched this in Daniel. As we've been reading the book of Daniel and as we've been talking about it on Sunday mornings, have you watched Daniel move and rise in influence? Daniel was a young person, captured and was faithful to God, and then all of a sudden, if you know, he was selected, and, and, and he, he was capable. He was, again, faithful to God, and he rose up. If you remember last week, we talked about that he was going to be made the, one of the three most important people and rulers in that area, and now we see that he's going to become second in command only to the king, which brings, I think, the first part of this pattern that we can watch in Daniel's story when we see it play out, and I think it's also true in many people that we see it play out, is that influence follows faithfulness. Influence follows faithfulness. If we're going to live our lives for God, if we're going to be obedient to the word of God rather than being disobedient, if we're going to be faithful rather than unfaithful, we won't have to look for opportunities to be a witness for Jesus Christ. God will bring them to us. Why? Because God loves creation. God loves his creator. God's going to do everything that he must do in order to be able to to reach the lost and the broken. Think about Daniel. Daniel was a foreigner. He was an exile. And over and over and over again, what you see him is his being faithful to God and God lifting him into a place of influence. What are you doing with that influence? I will tell you, before going into ministry, I was uh, president of a local baseball league in Powder Springs. Um, And... Most every day during baseball season, I would go over to the baseball fields and just kind of walk around and make sure that everything was was okay and ready for games. We had like 1,200 kids that were playing in the park at that time. And so we would go through, and so I was walking through, and uh, one day I was walking through the park. I never saw anybody at the park when I was there during the day. So I would walk through the park, and we had a front fields and back fields. And so I was making a transition from the front fields to the back fields, and I saw a gentleman off in the distance. And I knew in that moment that God had arranged for me and this man to talk. I I felt it. I knew that God was creating a moment, a divine moment for me to speak truth into this man's life. I didn't know what the truth was. Well, I knew what the truth was, but I didn't know what I needed to speak into his life. I just knew that there was a moment that I needed to speak to him. So we were going, we were walking, me and him, we approached And I walked on. It's about a hundred yards away from him when the Spirit of God just really convicted me. And I realized I had missed my moment. But I turned around. I'm not going to miss it again. Lo and behold, when I turned around, I noticed that he had turned around and he was coming back to me. So we came back together. And I walked on past knowing that God was creating a moment 
I didn't get but about 50 yards past him this time when the Spirit really moved me, and I knew that I had to turn back around again. I thought, okay, you're, I mean, what are you going to do? So I turned back around, and lo and behold, he had turned around again. For the third time, God was bringing us side by side. We came right up to each other, and I didn't say a word. Side note, fortunately, he's smarter than I was. So he talked to me, and then I began to, we got to have that conversation. But, but I resisted. I resisted what God was wanting. Daniel, Daniel resisted the temptation to compromise. Daniel resisted the temptation to settle. Daniel resisted the temptation to, to give in. Which side of the story do you find yourself more aligned with but because of his faithfulness God raised him into an area where he was able to have influence over a whole kingdom I had a friend of mine uh, his name is Daryl Roberts and Daryl felt several years ago led to go on a mission trip he didn't know why he was led to go on a mission trip but he he knew that he was supposed to go to Liberia on a mission trip He went to Liberia, and when he got there, he felt like God was calling him to the people of Liberia. That this was now his purpose, and this was now his focus. He was supposed to to reach and do ministry with the people of Liberia. And Daryl was faithful. This was beyond the call of just going on a mission trip once a year, beyond the call of just coming back and talking to his church about a mission trip. He felt like he was supposed to minister to the people of Liberia. And so Daryl was faithful. Daryl came home. Daryl sold his house, moved his wife and his two children into a smaller house and used all of the profit that he made on that first house to uh, restore an orphanage in the outskirts of Liberia. And he went into this orphanage and he built it up and, and, and restored it down. And then not only did he feel like he was called to minister to this orphanage, but he, he then began to, to call in university uh, professors to come in and teach into the lives of these children. He got medical personnel from uh, one of the neighboring towns to come in and be able to start doing some health things on his orphanage. And his orphanage became one of the most um, effective orphanages in Liberia. Now, here's the interesting thing. Do y'all remember a couple years ago when Ebola hit um, Liberia so bad? The people, because of Daryl's faithfulness, the people began to trust Daryl. Daryl loved the people of Liberia, and the people in Liberia loved Daryl. When Ebola hit, Daryl was contacted by the country of Liberia to come and help. One man, being faithful, was raised to a place of influence, was raised to a place where he could affect an entire kingdom. Are you pursuing God with all your heart? Is it important to you? Is it the most important thing for you to to be faithful to what God is calling you to do? Are you putting yourself in a position where you can make influence and where you can influence the whole community of Henry County? See, our tendency is to stop and go, well, that's great for Daniel, and that may even be great for Daryl, but I don't, I mean, how can God use me. I, I, I don't know anything about the Bible or I don't know much about the Bible or I'm not an evangelist. I certainly don't want to, I'm not comfortable going and sharing my faith. Daniel was an exile. 
Daniel was a foreigner. Daryl was a realtor in Cartersville, Georgia. God can use anybody, anybody who's willing to be faithful. God can use anybody, anytime to accomplish his mission. Influence follows faithfulness. D.L. Moody, a great evangelist in the 1800s, is quoted to have said this, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. By God's help, I aim to be that man. God wants all of us, men and women, to be that man. God wants all of us to be fully devoted and fully consecrated to him. Folks, Christianity is a participatory activity. It is a participatory activity. It is something we are joining God in the effort of. Are you fully devoted? Are you, are you being faithful to his call? So the story of Daniel goes on. Let's look at what it says in verse 4. It says, At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands. In accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the degree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. Now, it strikes me on this passage that how easy it would have been for Daniel to avoid these consequences. I mean, do you read that and think, okay, well, all he had to do was take a break from praying for 30 days. All he had to just scale it back a little bit. Just not be quite so zealous 
three times a day where people can see you in your open window. I mean, it would have been very easy. But Daniel was more interested in faithfulness than he was convenience. He was more interested in faithfulness than he was his own skin. I read that story and I think, what would I have done? What would you have done? 30 days. That's all you had to do is don't pray for 30 days. Daryl, my friend Daryl, in the height of the Ebola, the government of Liberia contacted him and wanted him to come to see what was happening in Liberia. I remember the day that Daryl walked into my office and told me that he was leaving to go to Liberia. He was going to leave his wife. He was going to leave his two children. And he was going to go into an epidemic where people were dying and they didn't really know why and how to stop it. But Daryl was going to go straight into that zone. Just as much as I remember, and we talked a lot about it as a church, about the call, and we prayed for him like we did with missionary, the kids that were going on mission trips, and we, we talk about what God's calling them to do. And I can remember talking to the church about that, but I also remember this. I remember that people in the church came to me asking me to do whatever I could do to stop Daryl. Because they were concerned with what was going to happen when he came back to church. Would they get Ebola? They wanted me to stop him because they didn't want their kids to be around his kids. People who I love and deeply respect were moving into a retreat. Let me tell you the second part of this mission pattern that we can see in Daniel. And we can see in Daryl. Not only does influence follow faithfulness, but resistance is inevitable. Trust me, when you begin to do something for God, the enemy will sit up and take notice. You will face resistance. You will face difficulties. God's calling all of us to grow in our influence, but to understand that with it will come difficulty and struggles. But what I want you to understand is every decision that we make matters for the kingdom of God. Every decision. And I hear Daryl's story, I I sit and talk to him, or I read Daniel's story, and the obvious question for me is, would, would I go? Would I have stamina? But rather than asking yourself the obvious question, I invite you this morning to ask yourself maybe the less obvious question. The question that's kind of underneath all of this. Am I doing anything that would require spiritual stamina? Am I doing anything in my life that would capture the attention of the enemy? Or am I just going along to get along? Folks, every decision you make matters for the kingdom of God. 
Daniel discovered this in an extremely powerful way. Let's keep reading his story. In verse 19, it says this. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouth of the lions. The story goes on to talk about how amazed the king was and that he eventually gathered up the, the prefects and the administrators who orchestrated this whole event. He threw them into the lion's den, and their luck was not quite so good. Um, I'll be the first to tell you, this is a pretty cool story. I see why we teach it in Sunday school. I see why we teach it to our kids in vacation Bible school. It's a really good miracle story, but for me, this is not the climax of the story. This is not the best part of Daniel in the lion's den. Look at what the scripture goes on to say in, the, in, the, in verse 25. It says, Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. You see, I don't think the greatest rescue is the rescue of Daniel from a lion. God created a lion. Why is it so hard for us to imagine that God could shut a lion's mouth? But this is a story of a pagan king whose heart turns to Daniel's God, to the one true God. A pagan king who had no interest, but his heart was turned to God. And even beyond that, began to do missionary work. It says that he wrote letters to every nation and every language to be able to declare to them that, that, that Daniel's God is the one true God, that his kingdom will never end. Folks, God is infinitely more concerned with the soul of a, of a pagan king than he is a mouth of a lion. God is infinitely concerned with the souls of the people in Henry County who do not know him than he is with some of the things that we concern ourselves with. Along the way, he used his servant Daniel. But the beauty of the story for me is that an entire nation came to know God. So I think the third part of this pattern, influence, follows faithfulness. Yes, resistance is inevitable. But the third part of the pattern is the lives will be changed. Look at your life. Are lives being changed because of the way God's using you? It's the third part of the mission plan. I called Daryl this week. I said, Daryl, I want to tell some people your story. And Daryl would be the first one to stand up here and tell you, please don't praise him for his courage. Please don't praise him for his boldness. He is a very humble person. But what he would want you to know is that 2,500 people in the last two years have been given sight we think about miracles in the Bible. We don't see miracles anymore. You tell that to a 90-year-old lady in Liberia who never was able to see until she got glasses and she regained her sight. 2,500 people have regained vision. 
600 kids eat every day in 108 orphanages. 400 of those children were recently orphaned as a result of Ebola. Children have had life-saving surgeries because he's able to connect them to doctors. 12,000 kids in the last 18 months have been given preventive medicine to deworm them, something that we just take for granted in the United States. But he's killing kids in Liberia. But even more than that, in one recent mission trip, 150 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ and were baptized in one week period because they saw the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lives are being changed. God wants to use every single person in this room just like he used Daniel, just like we see the pattern unfold, just like we see Daryl, just like we see the pattern unfold. The question I ask you this morning and should haunt you as much as it haunts me, am I being faithful? Am I being faithful to God? Is God using me, putting me in a place of influence? Are there opportunities for you to influence your community? And we're in a retreat mode. Folks, God's calling us to be a part of his mission plan. And the heart of God is to reach the lost. The heart of God is to reach into the broken world. Are you being faithful? Let's pray. Almighty God, we, we praise you for stories like Daniel and Daryl because they show us this pattern that you want to do in each of our lives. I pray, Lord, for each of us, young, old, that we just simply offer ourselves to you today. For us to not think about what the end product is, but for us to just stop and recognize what you're calling us to do is to be faithful to you, to answer your call to reach the community around us. Help us to, to have the courage not to move into any type of a retreat mode and to, 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 to rally the, the troops. But to move out into the community and allow you to work through us. And I realize, Lord, that that comes with great fear, nerves, and the awareness that we know that resistance will come. But God, I pray that we can keep the story of King Darius in our mind. The story of these 150 people who came to know you in, in Liberia. Lives will be changed because of the decisions we make. The people will come to know you because we as a church make a decision that we're going to be the body of Christ. We're going to be faithful to you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.